Welcome back to another episode of Mind Matters Perspectives. This season aims at bringing you stories of individuals from across the world from different walks of life sharing their stories and their experience with mental health. We believe that there isn't just one facet to mental health and we are committed to representing all stories and all experiences. We believe in creating a space of inclusiveness where you feel seen, valid and loved. A trigger warning before we begin. The discussions that we that take place on this podcast are at times extremely intense. We touch on topics from self-harm, suicide, depression, trauma, abuse and more. So please take care when you listen to these episodes. Also, ex- most of these experiences are not from any certified professional as such. We are just sharing our stories. So please do not count this as any form of professional help. If you need help please do seek it in the right place now without any more delay we move into today's amazing discussion i am very excited about the conversation we're about to have um, for various reasons one it being something very much in need of our for us to talk about and also because quite frankly this is a concept new to me as well and i am so looking forward to understanding more and learning more and i'm so grateful that jordan has taken the time to talk to me Um, oh, yeah, Jordan, could you just introduce yourself, your pronouns, and where you're from? Sure, no problem. So, hi, I am Jordan Lomonaco. Uh, my pronouns are she/her, and I'm from Toronto, Canada. But my family is from Italy, so I guess I'm Italian Canadian. But don't ask me to say anything in Italian. I don't. I don't know anything other than mozzarella, which I'm pretty sure I just offended everyone everywhere. Hi, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Um, okay, so um, our conversation today is going to talk about um, a perspective of mental health with climate change, something that is very much a real concept. Global warming is happening, climate change is happening, and it's without a doubt something that we've got to discuss. The reality of life is things are changing. We've got to take steps to do better and to survive, quite frankly. So I'm super excited about getting into this. So could you tell us a little about what eco anxiety is, eco grief and how would you say that mental health and climate change has any sort of relation? Yeah, no problem. And I'm going to preface and say this that I'm not a professional and so a lot of what I have learned about mental health and climate change I've learned out of necessity um and I've learned through like just talking to and reading from a lot of professionals so um kind of like anxiety there's i think the best way, way way to start is to explain like like you said climate like like without like people can deny climate change but as we've seen with the wildfires in australia and like everything else going on all around the world like the world is changing the climate is impacting people so whether or not you actually agree in climate change like we're seeing its effects and i think now more than ever with social media and then because the news often likes to uh be a little bit more dramatic and a lot more negative i feel like people see the worst parts of climate change more and so Eco anxiety is actually a brand new term. It was uh coined in 2017 by the American Psychology Association. It's not an actual clinical diagnosis, but they found that um 
people who had anxiety, so like anxiety is just having like intense, excessive, persistent worry. A lot of people were coming in saying that they had that persistent worry about the environment, specifically like this chronic fear of environmental doom. Because for a lot of people, we don't see climate change happening for the majority, especially in the North. Um, but we know it's happening and we're told often that it's a climate emergency, that life as we know it um, is going to end if we don't do something. Um, it's kind of, it's, I think the best way to explain it is that like climate change is kind of framed as like the biggest threat to biodiversity, to economic growth, global health, but also to the human species itself. And a lot of people have said it's very similar to almost a, like a nuclear threat, but this one's a bit different in the sense that climate change is visible daily on TV and on our phones. And so it's kind of manifested in, in a lot of people very differently. So like I said, eco-anxiety is just one of many different terms. Eco-anxiety, like I said, is just the persistent worry of like the future of the earth. But there are a lot of people who feel other things too. Like a lot of people feel eco-grief um, or eco-trauma, which is like the experience of witnessing the effects of climate change. So there was a lot of eco-trauma from the wildfires in Australia, like people witnessing their homes getting destroyed. Um, and then a lot of us that were witnessing it also were kind of experiencing eco-guilt because too, it's like a guilt or shame that arises when you feel like you just haven't been doing enough or you're not meeting the the societal standards of what it means to be green enough. And there are a lot of people who are actually afraid of it. And so they have like an ecophobia about it. Like they are feel so helpless and powerless um, to prevent anything that they don't even want to think about it. And um, again, it's not an, it's, it's a fairly new topic that only recently has gained a lot of exposure, especially with when like Greta Thunberg last year, two years ago, actually had her Fridays for the future and all of the, the marches and the, the, the strikes and, climate change just was huge in the news that is when it kind of spiked for a lot of people like I don't know if it, if if you felt that at all um being on this side of the, of the world yeah I mean um, like I shared with you I uh fairly new concept even to me like I've understood that climate change is real and I've I've done my reading on that but the perspective of how it affects our mental health it was completely new and even when I reached out to you it was kind of the pretense of what my conversation with you was that it's a, it's a fairly new concept. Um, we don't talk about it enough or rather I've never seen a conversation on it. And that's kind of why I really wanted to do this. And I actually uh, thank you for the pretense of how you said that you, you, you aren't any specialist, you aren't any professional. It's just what you've understood and what you've read. And I think that would sort of like, uh, that's something that a lot of people should understand that you don't have to be a specialist. You don't have to be a certified environmentalist to realize that this is happening with the resources that we have and the access to the internet. And quite frankly, it's very visibly happening around us. You can't really sit in denial saying it's not happening. You can't really argue the science. So I think the fact that if we sort of take that initiative, just understand, then we automatically will start taking steps to bring about a change. So thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for saying that. 
Yeah. Cause I figured, cause again, like I said, it's not a clinical diagnosis. People can't like get, um, told that that's what they have, but there's a lot of research that's showing that people who have pre-existing, um, mental health issues like anxiety and depression, this climate change makes it worse in a way that they actually needed to come up with the term because of how pop popular it, that was like, I think there was a study done in the U.S. that said like 71% of Americans um, are scared about the future and 51% of them feel hopeless. And like, so if you're feeling anything about climate change or you think it's actually manifesting in some way, you're in the majority here. Like there's so much out there right now showing that because climate change doesn't have like a quick solution, and there's no one obvious way of going about it, people often feel helpless. And that helplessness is what ends up paralyzing a lot of people. And that's kind of where people fall into those different camps of if you know it's true and you feel guilty about not doing anything, there's a lot of anxiety around, okay, but am I doing enough? Is what I'm doing actually helping? I can't actually see any tangible changes. So is everything I'm doing useless? And then there's a lot of people who also then are like so scared of thinking about it that they just don't and they ignore it, that ignorance is bliss. And so there's like a lot of different camps, but then there are people who actually are seeing it in their homes and can't not do anything. And so they're experiencing stuff like ego trauma and a new term called solastalgia. Like it's kind of like nostalgia, like when, you, when you're missing something, but solastalgia is when you're like, you're watching your home being destroyed and you're like, it's like a, a missing of what used to be. Um, because I think one, one of what it's something that I think really sparked my eco anxiety was when I was, I was reading a book and one of these climate experts said, we're beyond the point of ever going back to normal from this point onwards. There's no more normal. Like it's going to get worse. It's just about how, how much worse and reading that made it so much worse for me because I don't think up until that point I was like oh we stand have a standing like we have a chance of going back to normality and then when I read that I was like oh this is way more serious than I thought it was and I remember it like really paralyzed me I think for the longest time I didn't even want to think about it and I'm privileged in the fact that I don't need to think about it because I don't it's not affecting me but then that also adds a level of anxiety and guilt because you're like, it is affecting other people. So it's like this, it's like this catch 22. Like it's, it's this awful cycle that um, I think a lot of people feel. And I think people have now had to give it a term because it is really impacting a lot of people. And, and it's, it's scary. Like people, especially if you already have previous mental health issues, um, I think uh, yeah. people when they hear this will find find themselves realizing that okay so there is there is this kind of like thought process that's going about people do feel this because I like I mentioned before um, I had a friend talk to me about how when she uh, read about the wildfires and and seeing the destruction of like the green the trees and everything that she she just had like a panic attack and she just started crying and stuff like that and and then even I was a bit confused as to okay what do you do and stuff like that but again like the more I read the more I understood uh, yeah uh, so just to like uh, keep the ball rolling on what you we were talking now uh, before so if it's okay with you could you share a little about your own journey with this whole um, eco-anxiety and like when did you find yourself feeling the weight of the ongoing crisis personally affect your mental health 
for me, it kind of started a little bit when I was in my teens, I watched a documentary called shark water. And it was the first time, like, I think it was about 14 and this Toronto based shark activist just showed what, um, people were doing to sharks around the world. And it was like the first time, and I, I don't know if people know this, but in, in the East, East Asia, uh, one of the delicacies there is, is shark fin soup. And so like the name, you need a shark fin to go into that shark fin soup. So there were a lot of uh, illegal fishermen who were catching sharks, cutting off their fins and just tossing them back in the ocean. And sharks need their fins to swim. So when they toss them back in the ocean, they essentially just drowned because they couldn't swim anymore. And they were doing this. There's a, I think they kill about 150 million sharks a year for all of these purposes. And as a kid, that was the first time I actually realized, oh my God, people actually treat other living things that bad for money. And that was the first time I think I was introduced to like bad people, like, like that there are people in the world that care more about money than other living things. And kind of from that point onwards, I was like, oh, I want to help the sharks. But then as I got older, the more I read, the more I realized the problem was so much bigger than just sharks. Like if people were treating sharks that bad, that were living, what were they doing to the planet that technically isn't living? Like if people can already treat other people terrible and then they can treat animals even worse, then they're treating the earth like the like the worst out of all three. And it as a kid, I was like, I don't, I don't get what you're supposed to do. Like, how do people get to that point? Like, I don't, I, I never understood. And I was like, well, I'm just going to do my part. And as I got older, I realized, oh no, this is the majority of the world. The majority of the world that has money does this. And I was like, and I felt just very hopeless about it. Even when I was in school too, cause I didn't study environmental science. I, I grew up in a family where you, you kind of had to pick a career that was like kind of set and, 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 and assured, like you're, you're not like going into art wasn't an option unless you had like a backup plan, like being a lawyer, being an engineer, like something that like was going to go somewhere. Um, so I, I did, I did stats and, um, I was just going to go into like finance or data, but nothing around the environment. And I always felt guilty about that. I was like, should I be dedicating my time to more things that benefit more people. And so I often do that in my free time. But as anyone knows, when you, when you are in school, it's, you don't really have a lot of free time. And so I've always wrestled with that eco guilt. I think eco guilt gets me a lot more than eco anxiety is I'm much more aware of what I'm not doing, like all the ways that I am not being a good eco warrior than I am necessarily about fear but it kind of goes hand in hand. I know, okay, if I'm in a privileged position where I could be doing more, but I'm not in the majority. There are a lot more people who are less privileged who can't do these things. So if the majority of us aren't doing anything, then this is, climate crisis is going to get worse. And so it's just like this weird, it's almost like working in a group project almost is where like, you only know what you can do. But then you recognize if no one else is doing anything, you're going to get a terrible grade. And that's just kind of what climate changes kind of made me feel and so I think about it all the time every choice I make everything I do I think about it and if I don't make the best environmental positive choice and I don't even know what that means half the time I get I feel guilt permanently like I I, I honestly just think I'm in this state of guilt all the time 
but I'm also in a state of anxiety. Like every day I waste not doing stuff for the planet is another day we're heading towards environmental doom. And so I've tried to volunteer as much as I can, but it's just not the same unless you're dedicating 24 seven, like nothing ever really feels like enough. But then again, I don't know if that's just my own anxieties and my own mental health especially now with COVID, like COVID has made it much worse. Cause you're less like, like people already don't even care about a virus that's currently happening. How the heck are we going to get anyone to care about something that's going to happen in, in 20 years? Like it's one of those, I don't know. I don't know if you ever felt that with the pandemic and just kind of that feeling of helplessness. Like, I don't know how India right now is handling this pandemic. Canada's not handling it very well. Like we're still in a state of emergency like all the time because people just don't care about following regulations, which has just amplified my eco anxiety because it's just like if people don't care about this and other people's health. How are we going to get them to care about the planet and the trees? So I don't know if you ever no, feel no, like uh, that. I have like with uh, India and the pandemic, I mean, I feel like I think this applies to literally the entire world when COVID was just starting off the fear of COVID was a lot more than the actual existence of COVID. But now with COVID being so widespread, the fear has almost become non-existent, if that makes sense. I I feel like it's become an an inversely proportional scale for some reason. And uh, like with here, like most of of the lockdowns have been lifted and we're pretty much back to normal uh, like functioning and stuff like that. Like, Colleges and schools, universities, everything's reopened for offline classes. I mean, up, like to a certain point, I kind of expected that, okay, eventually everything's going to open up and wearing the mask is going to become a norm. But you find like a lot of people don't really give a shit about the mask as well. And in, in that moment, I, I do like think about like, okay, when we know for a fact that there's a virus running around, people are dying and yet we can't do the bare minimum That's that's been asked of us like, generations before us have had to like deal with the plague and like what not and they were expected to do and all we had to do was sit at home and wash our hands yep and we still couldn't do that and I don't know about you I don't know if there's a COVID anxiety or what but I the pandemic has made my own anxiety worse because exactly like that Canada we're still in a strict lockdown most schools are closed we can't go anywhere we're about to put a travel van on on flying like we're at the worst place that Canada has been in since the pandemic started. And it's because we found out over 1 million people traveled during Christmas. Like they actually were on a plane or in a train, even though we were told we were not allowed to travel over 1 million people did in Canada. Like if people can't even do the bare minimum for Christmas yeah, like, I mean, uh, or I, any I, of the I, colonies. What do you mean? Like when you hear things like this, you, you really freak out, okay, if they're not handling crisis now, what are they going to handle crisis in 20 years? It, it, that's what I mean. Like, it's it's this helplessness that I think why eco-anxiety was born is the, the climate crisis just makes you feel helpless. Like, you can't do everything yourself. And you're just highly aware of all the people who also aren't doing enough because they're the majority. And I don't think we have enough visibility into the people that are doing a lot of good things to provide hope like the news tends to focus on on how bad everything is social media tends to focus on how bad everything is so it's just a lot of negativity 
in the climate movement. And it's, it's a very negative story. It paints like already they want to change the term from, they changed the term from global warming to climate change. So now they want to change it to climate crisis. Mm -hmm. So it tells people like, no, no, this is serious. But then there are studies saying that that, that's also not a good idea because if people think it's an emergency like COVID, they just end up not doing anything because they're like, well, there's no point. Like if we're all going to catch COVID anyway, who cares? I'm going to go see my friend. And like, that's kind of the, the mentality people kind of fall into, which is why I would say my journey with eco-anxiety, I think has gotten worse since the start of the pandemic. Although it also has given me hope. We did have the Black Lives Matter movement here. And that was the first time it was the, like one of the biggest social rights movements or human rights movements ever in history. I think up until India now with the, the big farming crisis, yeah. but up until India, the Black Lives Matter like protests actually gave me a lot of hope because it was the first time I saw everyone collectively coming together for a single thing. And that was the first time I had ever like in, in, in a long time seen that many people across the globe um, back something up that important. I was like, okay, so if they're backing up Black Lives Matter, like we just need to get people to care about the planet in the same way. Um, and there, and even now there are countries that have pretty much eradicated COVID, like New Zealand, and they're mm. completely back to normal. So I'm like, okay, there are people that exist. There are countries that exist. There's clearly communication and like strategies in place that work to get people to care. We clearly need to learn that because the climate movement has not done it. But then from, I know when we were talking, the Black Lives Matter movement wasn't that big for you guys in India. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting. Okay, I thought it was huge around the world. And so if it isn't, okay, what, what, why wasn't it big in India? But then I know you guys now just had like, are now having the biggest human yeah, rights. It's, yeah, the, it's probably the biggest protest that has ever happened. That has the ever world, happened. Actually, but, which, again, by so that, exactly. And that, I think that, I hold on to those moments as hope because I'm like, okay, clearly as a society, we can come together for a common issue. We clearly didn't do it for COVID. I don't know why we haven't done it for COVID, but we can do it. And like that has been the only saving grace with COVID and how my ego anxiety has been is there are now examples of people coming together. And like that collective action is I think what, at least for me, what helps with my ego anxiety because I can deal with my own personal life. Like I can do things in my own life and give myself that sort of um, strength and like to help my mental health. Cause they often say the best um, solution to eco health, like the best thing you can do is action. Cause a lot of times people just feel that personally that they're, they're not doing enough, but that collective action is often what's also missing. So it, if I go recycle the next day or give up meat, if no one else in my family is, or none of my friends are, I don't feel like it's doing anything and I need to see more people do it. Like it's, it's this, it's this weird, there's almost layers to eco-anxiety like that I guess people also don't think about is um yeah you have you have anxiety about yourself you have anxiety about the world you have anxiety about everything and because there's no deadline too that also is a big component is we're told it's happening but we don't know when it's happening and yeah, so a lot of sense. people are like oh people and are like I, I oh well, we'll wait of, yeah like you mentioned uh, a lot of different parts of the world are seeing it at different paces so I feel like that also like affects how how real people sort of perceive the threat to be uh, like like you mentioned um, you don't have as warm winters and like how we do uh, 
besides the fact of the positioning of the country like different parts of the world are f- like basically facing the climate change like they've different experiencing it at different rates so i think that exactly. also helps with uh, kind of like affects a person's perception about how real the threat is but at the same time you think it, it it would like for example there's a lot of islands around the world especially out east or i guess with the globe there's no real east i'm thinking of it from a north american perspective but like southeast asia there's a lot of islands that are are flooding like that are going to be non-existent soon because of the rising sea levels and a lot of times people are like but that's going to happen to new york it's going to happen to florida that's going to happen to big places out north it's going to happen to the uk it's going to happen to a lot of places we're seeing it we're seeing what's going to happen and yet people are like oh but that's not going to happen to us because i don't know why people disassociate like climate change but no you make a good point yeah every place in the world will also experience climate change slightly differently there's going to be a problem that affects them worse than other places will and i and i don't know if that's why people are really apathetic to climate change I, I honestly think that's it. I think the climate change story is has really been lacking that human aspect. Mm. Like really saying like, hey, climate change isn't just some concept. Look, it's it's doing this to this group of people. It's doing that to this group of people. Like that, what they're doing there is gonna, do, that's gonna happen to you. But then like you said, with COVID, we knew it was happening. We saw it happening. And a lot of countries did absolutely nothing for it. We knew, it. like, I remember when COVID hit, Canada was like, oh, it's, it's out, it's out in, I don't even remember where, where it started, China, Hong Kong, China. it like, yeah, China, yeah. And, and they were like, oh, it's not gonna happen to us, it's all the way across the world, like, it, it won't be a problem, and then March hits, and we had like, thousands of cases, and they're like, oh, I don't know how that happened, it's just like, yeah, like, they were telling us, we need to come up with protocols, like, what I worry is that the world won't start doing anything, and like, they're gonna start being really reactive, and do stuff like when it's too late when we need people to be proactive and learn from what's currently happening and i just don't know the best way of going about that which is why we my, mimi and i my my co-host started imperfect eco hero it just felt like the the only way that i i like i thought we could help is to get people who don't think about climate change to think about climate change by making it more accessible and oh. that's kind of now where that all comes into play uh, and how I'm dealing with it is I'm trying to take action um, by creating a platform and Mimi, my co-host Mimi O'Hanley and I, we, we, we went to university together and um, we both want to do better and we just don't know how. And like she studies environmental crim. So she definitely knows criminology. So she definitely knows a lot more about the environment than I do but we both talk about it and we're always like what's the best way of going about this like what happens if we can't do this and we just think that the human aspect is missing and I think it would help a lot of people's anxieties too if they heard what people are actually going through and how they're getting creative about solving it I think that the how people are solving this problem is I think a big reason why people feel so much anxiety around climate change is that we don't know the answers and we don't know solutions other than the really big ones. And so I think hearing the small ones, I think would be really motivating for people. And that's kind of, yeah, how Imperfect Eco Hero, our platform and hopefully our upcoming podcast series helps people feel too, is that hopeful, inspired, and just a lot less confused. Cause I think that's a big aspect too, is like you said, climate change is 
really weird and it's a big problem and it affects people differently. And there's so many words and there's just so much science around it. And a lot of, a lot of, a lot of science done in English. So a lot of things are not translatable. And so there's like a whole slew of problems, but yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm talking I'm a lot. I'm excited about what Imperfect Eco Heroes doing. Cause I, I truly, truly believe that y'all are going to make an impact. I mean, I reached out to you and I, I told you like from the start that I had no idea about 90% of what y'all were talking about, but because of your page, I ended up learning a lot. And I, I really just, do think great. that a lot of people are gonna understand so much more because of that. And I'm, I wanna talk about Imperfect Eco Hero more. Uh, but just before that, I, you mentioned how you found solace in like how people do come together for a cause. Are there any other sort of like coping mechanisms that you kind of like practice in your own daily life to deal with this kind of stress or anything like that? Because uh, I guess if we share these kind of things, it will probably it will definitely be helpful for anyone who's probably feeling something similar. Like it would give them ideas also. Uh-huh. And I, I honestly could use some ideas too. Um, so other than doing the imper- imperfect ego hero, which I can say separately, I do volunteer a lot. I find that doing action, like actually trying to make a tangible difference has been super helpful. Cause that for me is often when I feel the worst is when I'm not doing enough. So I volunteer at a lot of nonprofits. Um, but like that obviously it's not accessible for a lot of people. So you can even help nonprofits online. So I do try to follow a lot of nonprofits on Instagram and I share a lot of their stories. I, I try to participate. Like there's a lot of ways that you can even help for free online. And I try to do that too. Uh, in terms of personally, I found the best thing for my mental health. Um, I started this recently during the pandemic. So I definitely felt overwhelmed during the pandemic, just with like what was happening with COVID, how fast it was spreading, then the Black Lives Matter movement and everything there. And just then with climate change as well. And I was just kind of feeling a lot and I never really had a good outlet for it. And um, I actually started meditating and I did start doing yoga and I do them in tandem with each other every single night. And I found that's been really helpful. And again, this is coming from a place of privilege. I find often what helps with anxiety just about everything is sometimes you just kind of need a break to just focus on yourself and I know that a lot of people can find that it's almost like being a little selfish but I honestly think what's so hard about trying to do a lot of activism is if you're doing activism out of anxiety like you're doing it out of like some intense need for your mental health it's not going to be healthy and it's also not sustainable because you're not really addressing it Um, you're just kind of um, trying to keep busy so you don't have to think about it. And I've definitely fallen susceptible to that. But I find what was so good about yoga and, and meditation, and I start with yoga and I end in meditation, is that I find with yoga, my mind still runs a bit and I do still think a lot and I do feel a lot. But I find when you do a long enough yoga session, once you get your worries out of the way at the start, it's you they stop worrying you near the end and you start like really just kind of focusing on your breathing, you're focusing on your body and you're just kind of like listening to yourself and then I end usually with anywhere from like two to ten minutes of meditation once I'm finally in a place where my mind isn't running and I just kind of take that time just to kind of work on just my own health because I think when I when I can be the most helpful is when I'm at the most peace with myself and my mental health I find when I'm not I don't end up producing the best work and I end up 
it just never being really consistent and it ends up yeah just not being good work so yeah i find found that doing yoga and meditation and even just spending walking for 15 to 20 minutes a day with like music in i just think times where you can kind of get grounded helps a lot and i think there are definitely times where i've tried to meditate in my mind and my mental health has been terrible and it's just not worked. I always just push through. I'm like, this is going to be my own 10 minutes. And if I'm going to just be stressed for 10 minutes, it's fine. Cause like, I think people just don't give them themselves enough time in a day just for them. Like when you have school, when you have work, you've got family, friends, you've got relationships, you've got to deal with like money, mortgage, climate change, and like everything else in between. Like, I don't think people spend enough time in a day being like, no, no, I'm going to dedicate this 30 minutes to just me and listening to what what I'm feeling about and um yeah that's I think that's been the best coping coping mechanism for me has been through yoga meditation even just exercising boxing is a great way to get on any anxiety oh my god I've been punching away all the stresses I have but yeah I think that for me has been what's super helpful yeah I I quite uh, recently have been trying to get into meditation and and uh, with my own struggles, like uh, I, I was also diagnosed with PTS and sometimes it's a bit hard to like stay alone with your thoughts, especially when you have like, like your mind's running all the time. But uh, I, boxing was one of my favorite outlets. Like it, right? there is a very, there is some level of satisfaction that your mind gets when you can hit something without worry for those few moments but yeah it's I honestly feel like it's because I'm finally in control I I think for a lot of people with their mental health is that they don't feel in control of it like they that's kind of what mental health is is that you don't have control your mind just kind of is doing whatever it's doing and you like and like that's kind of the whole point is it's a journey to kind of figure out what that control is but what I love about boxing is that honestly sometimes I picture the things I'm worrying about and I hit them and I'm like you don't have the same power over me. And yeah, like that's kind of what I love about boxing. But I get what you mean about meditation. That's why I always do yoga first. I found jumping into meditation without doing something at the start, my mind was racing. And oftentimes, like I think with a lot of people who deal with mental health is that they, the reason they don't want to be left alone with their thoughts, the reason they keep so busy all the time is that a lot of what they're dealing with isn't easy. And like a lot of times you don't want to think about it. So I find, yeah, meditation can be, a hit or miss but I would recommend totally getting into meditation but doing a little bit of yoga beforehand it really does slow the mind down a lot um so definitely do them in tandem there's a really cool app that's free on on in the app store called the nike training app and I use it and they have like a lot of different yoga exercises and a lot of their yoga exercises end in an automatic two minutes of meditation so you don't even have to which between apps, but I highly recommend if anyone, and it has some good boxing on it too, and it's free. And I found that's been like super, super helpful is, is, is just kind of having that app and it tracks it on your phone too. So I know how many times I'm doing it every day. You get awards if you do it often. So I highly recommend it to anyone who I guess might want to try yoga. They have a lot of good intro to yoga sessions on the Nike app. Hmm. That's great. Oh, thank you for sharing those things. I'm sure that like one of the uh, uh, best parts of what I've been doing with perspectives is these conversations have been so eye-opening for me and I have learned so much and I've also learned different kind of like 
coping mechanisms and different kind of practices that I can slowly like incorporate into my life as well. And, and like very, quite frankly, with these kind of things, it's all trial and error. Each person is wired so different. Yeah. Like every sort of practice affects you different. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I feel like- mm-hmm. Even for me, can, there's- Yeah. The yeah, no, no, I was just going to say- Oh, sorry. I feel like there's a delay with the, the Zoom. I was just going to say, I totally agree. I've d- tried to do yoga some days and I'm like, I just can't. And like, again, so even the things that work for me sometimes don't work for me. Like, and that's okay. Like, there's just going to be days where things don't work. But I was going to ask, well, what was one coping mechanism someone gave you that, like, I guess surprised you that maybe you tried and that really worked well? So what happened with me was, is uh, after like a couple of years of dealing with my shit on my own, I realized that I needed professional help. So I finally went to therapy. Now, uh, my own journey with therapy was very on and off because the first therapist I went to, I didn't find it to be like a good fit. So I was already hesitant to, to go from, from the start. And then when it wasn't as effective for me as I thought it, it would have, it kind of like, again, created more of a hesitancy to give it a go again. And I again took a break from therapy. And I eventually did go back after bouncing from like two to three therapists. I found one, uh, my current therapist, who gave me a much more like effective coping mechanism. So when I used to have my my episodes, I I would have this horrible habit of getting physical. Like I would punch things in anger. And I have had bruised knuckles for days that I cannot count uh, and like bleeding knuckles and stuff like that. And when I told my therapist this, she actually suggested that I got into combat sports. So that's kind of how I got into boxing and mixed martial arts. So she kind of like suggested that how you react, let's not change it. Let's just put you in a safer environment for you to react in that way. So interesting. yeah, I, I was very fascinated by the idea and, and I kind of got into it and I was in combat sports for like two years. I trained in like three, four different forms. I mean, granted, after that, there was an injury, so I had to take a break again. But yeah, but uh, I, I have, I, I also have the practice of journaling and writing down my feelings and all those kind of things. And that's, that's one way of how I've navigated emotions. But I, there was a lot of anger that was built up as well. And I don't know, writing wasn't enough. So whatever were those uh, violent outbursts that would come, so they, she basically put me in an environment where I could have those same reactions, but just in a safer, more controlled manner. So oh, with, 100%. The, with the protection of gloves, with the, with the training of an actual uh, specialist around, I had the same outlet, but in a much more safer manner, which did mm-hmm. wonders for my mental health. I will never, I won't lie. Getting into combat I was going to say, it sounds one, like it. Yeah, one, getting into combat sports was one of the best things that happened. Like th- th- those two years was probably the best my mental health had ever been. And Aww, that's amazing. I, yeah, so I'm working quite hard to get back into that same state. So I'm, I've, I'm, I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I had an injury. I was bedridden for almost a year. And now I'm in physiotherapy to get back to what I was then. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you do because that sounds amazing. And I think combat there, like combat therapy should be totally a thing. I don't know if you guys have this in India, but in Toronto, um, we have a place and I don't know what it's called, but people can go and essentially buy a, a number of plates in an empty room and you can just smash plates. Like you just, 
literally just throw plates and stuff and destroy things. Like you actually pay to go do that. Like, and I, I honestly think that's kind of the same idea. I think people like have so much pent up anger about things and like, yeah, I guess if you're from Canada, we do have those places where you can go smash plates that's and smash things. I want to go do it so badly. I would love to go smash things. I don't know about you, but I have those feelings sometimes when, especially when you're feeling a lot where you're like, I just want to break something, but like none of my yeah, house. Absolutely. And I don't, I also don't want to break anything on me either, but um, yeah, they have that there. So, oh God, but yeah, I maybe that's what- this comes down to like something that you mentioned, like with mental health, a lot of times you feel so out of control you, you uh, and not having that sort of grasp on what you're feeling, why you're feeling, but in those particular situations, you just, you, you have that sort of control of like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. And, and that gives a different kind of sensation to one. And I feel that's why it was so effective that being in that state of mind where I can control my anger and channel it into something, it, it helped me like deal with my issues a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I totally get it. There's actually a lot of people if you're ever feeling a lot of eco anger, a lot of times people love going to protests and there's actually an entire organization called Extinction Rebellion that literally is exactly that. They want to rebel against the government. And a lot of times what they do is they protest and they protest hard, like not scary hard, but like their whole organization is kind of built off of this anger that of society and like another outlet, granted you're not punching anyone, but if you do want to get like out any eco eco anger, there are a lot of organizations that like need that fire. They need you yelling on the streets. They need you standing and they, they need you protesting. And like that also can be a way for people to kind of get out, for example, the anger that they have about climate change and just how people are handling it, handling it. Like there's a lot of ways of like going about that, which is kind of cool. I wish they had like some sort of eco anger poxing class. I would have totally signed up for that. Um, just punch out some policies sharing these kind of things now because we're we're helping get information out and like people realizing that okay there are there are these kind of the kind of practices that you can reach out for there and you can find like a lot of times it's like i said with therapy and any sort of like coping mechanism it's all trial and error each person exactly different and how they react it's different but the only way we can like sort of that's kind of one reason why I wanted to create like a space where we share these kind of things so that even if you don't have access to like proper therapy, at least you can somehow get a get a, like a start on the research or something to start like incorporating into your life a little. But I will always, always advocate for therapy without a doubt. I mean, oh, 100%. Is... I wish it was more accessible. That's kind of the Absolutely. only downside that, is... Yeah. Um, but there's actually a lot of really good... Um... Luckily, the one good thing about social media and the internet, there's a lot of really good therapists that are actually on Instagram. And so they recognize that therapy is not accessible, that they do try to like share insight and wisdom from what they teach to their clients. And so I would highly recommend if anyone wants to look for good, like, like, especially on the environment there's a lot of good therapists online that are trying to trying to talk about it decolonizing therapy there or yeah i think there's a there's a page called decolonizing therapy i can't remember what her name is and that's going to kill me because she's wonderful um but if anyone is ex- like specifically experiencing any eco anxiety that's she's like a great place to um 
star. Her name is Dr. Jennifer Mullen. Really great, great place. I know that there's, she's trying really hard to get like ecotherapy being a big thing, especially in communities uh, like BIPOC communities, because uh, that's very much not a thing. And so and if anyone is looking, that she's a great person to start with. That's, that's amazing. We're getting more information out. I'm, I'm just so happy about that. Yeah, I'm trying. We're trying. Yeah. They, actually, I don't know. I don't actually know if you know this. Two women in the U.S. Um, built, a, you know how there's AA, Alcohols Anonymous? They built a similar program for people who are experiencing eco-grief. And like, it's a, I think it's like a 10-month program, a six-month program kind of built same way where they can like coordinate support groups for people who are eco-anxiety sufferers they specifically wanted to create program and so yeah you're suffering from eco-anxiety in like a really detailed way like if it's in so totally check that out too if uh you can they have a good page about it as well that's very interesting I, i i had no clue I didn't either until starting in for Eco Hero, which is honestly why I tried to learn. I was like, why is this so complicated? Sorry, I just like spit on my microphone. Um, um, I, sorry. No, um, yeah, no, I, I also shouldn't have said it. No one would have seen it. I just saw it in the, in the camera. Um, no, but yeah, so there are, ecotherapy is now like a really big thing. Like therapists are starting to recognize that, oh, a lot of people who are suffering have like this other layer of anxiety and other mental health issues that they're trying now to incorporate that into their practices. So now if there is anyone out there who now hearing this is like, oh, maybe I am suffering from eco-anxiety, definitely ask if you do have a therapist, if there is any eco-specific therapist, like people who do specialize in it, like it's a, it's becoming a really big thing because they recognize that this is like a very serious problem, especially with the younger generation because they recognize that they're going to be the ones living through uh, this climate crisis much more than anyone else's. So yeah, something to look at, to look at if you guys can. I think uh, that's one of the great things about social media. I mean, we can use it to do so much good, to do such great work. And I, I mean, social media is pretty much how I found you. I mean, yeah, there exactly. is no way we probably would have crossed paths anytime soon being literally mm-hmm. on two different sides of the different world. sides of the world yeah but it's crazy when you think about it it really is but i think that's the beauty of it like how you can connect and and especially connecting over such important discussions as well but it's actually really but it's also really kind of cool that like even though you don't like you were saying that you had never heard of eco-anxiety before a lot of what, like the way you think about it is kind of the same way that I think about it, having always heard it. Like, it's really interesting that like people around the world can feel the same way, even if they don't have the same words for, for certain things, or even have the same experiences. Like that's kind of what blows my mind since talking to you is like, I realized we're like very similar, despite us having lived very drastically different lives and going down very drastically different paths. It's like, like a lot of people, a lot of times, People think the same way. And I honestly think that what you're doing with Mind Matters is so important is that you're, by talking to so many different people and also being so honest with how you're feeling, I think for a lot of people, that's going to help more than anything because they're going to finally have a a word or like a feeling to put to what they're feeling. Because I think for me too, I didn't even know I was suffering from anxiety or I didn't even know I was suffering from depression until I heard the word and someone else explaining 
what they were feeling. And I was like, oh, wait, that's what I'm feeling. Okay. I thought I was being like really weird about, like, I, I thought I was the only one who felt this specific way. And I think that's what's so important about what you're doing is you're making people realize, no, you're not alone. Like you're actually honestly in the majority. I think more people, like a lot of people don't realize that I think a lot of people feel this way. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think you what you're doing is amazing. Thank you. It's very uh, reassuring because sometimes I feel like, uh, am I doing this right or not? Because quite frankly, the the reason behind I started Mind Matters was there was no conversation and I could never like put the like, I, I never had like a terminology set to like what I was feeling. And it took me so long to like figure out what exactly I was going through and like to get some words in and like to understand it more. And I, I don't know, I kept hoping that there would be that conversation around me, but it never started. So I decided to maybe start the conversation myself. And it's, it's trendsetter. Been... <laughs> you are too nice. Uh, I, I don't but... know about that, but I, I, I like, but no, sorry. Yeah, keep going. No, no. no. Uh, so I was just saying that, uh, like, uh, I, I was sharing with you that uh, I got a chance to talk to people from different parts of the world uh, and we discuss different perspectives. And, and it's been, amazingly educational more than anything like I have learned so much about so many different things that I probably never would have looked into on my own because uh, like I like I mentioned we've, we've always been so like our circle and what's around us is probably the only thing we automatically focus on and unless like forced to get, uh, forced or given any sort of exposure in any other field you don't tend to like look into it on your own or like rather sometimes you don't even know what to look into exactly the issue is that you don't even you don't even know what to look to because you don't know anything and so yeah yeah but yeah so um i want to talk more about imperfect eco hero so if you could just tell us what imperfect eco hero is and like what what inspired you what's the aim just just the just there's no limit just keep just tell me uh, everything okay yeah so like I said, it this it was a kind of a joint effort. Um, Mimi is like one of my closest friends. We met um, like first year university. And like a lot of times what we bonded over was just kind of, we also thought the same. We also kind of felt the same way about uh, the planet and just kind of like, we honestly just felt like we weren't doing it right. We weren't really being good environmentalists just because uh, I have always struggled with trying to go vegan. And like there, like, there was a lot of things that I've always, like struggled trying to do because I only knew of so many things that a good environmentalist was doing the same with same with Mimi like we both just honestly felt imperfect like everything we were doing was just never good enough and we also just kind of felt hopeless doing it and through talking and us sharing kind of our own stories we realized oh wait okay what if a lot of people feel like this and like when you look into it yeah there's a lot of research that shows that people really do feel hopeless and uncertain and scared and like also don't know what to do or how to do it or like are they doing a good job and that's kind of how we came up with the imperfect eco hero and it's even just the name too we struggled with just what to call ourselves because we're like what we want people to realize is that anything you do for climate change even if it's just that you recycle or that you pick up litter or you try to eat more of like plant-based whole foods, like anything you do, even if it's just that you support and like people on Instagram, that makes you an eco hero because this is not just a, like a, an earth problem 
Like the earth will always survive no matter what we do to it. It will continue to live and, and adapt. Like people need to realize that this climate crisis is really a human crisis because we're the ones that won't like live if we keep doing this. Every time we do something that isn't going to benefit the planet, we're just taking away years that the earth is livable for us. So it's this awful cycle where we are like, I don't think people recognize that when you don't do something or you do something that negatively impacts the earth, you just took away a year, a decade that becomes livable for you later down the line. And I think that's where we wanted to highlight that, that there are people like any people, anytime you do something, you're a hero because you're going to, and you are saving the lives of people down the line. And that's kind of what um, the imp- imperfect eco hero kind of is, is that we just wanted to use storytelling as a way of connecting and celebrating like people fighting this climate crisis all over the globe, like presenting stories that kind of, are real and honest and inspire and like deepen our understanding of not only what the problem is, but also um, just what, how important the, the planet is. Like I read a quote and I think the best way of what we hope the imperfect eco hero does, um, there is a, an indigenous uh, scientist, her name is um, Robin Wall Kimmer. And she said once, people can't understand the world as a gift unless someone shows them how. And I think that's kind of what's been so missing with this climate crisis is it's told, it's failed telling the story. And I think it's a story that people don't resonate with and don't understand. And I think climate change has always just kind of been told by the same person. And I truly believe, like Mimi and I truly believe that what's really missing are different perspectives. Similar to exactly what you're doing on My Matters is you. we need more people and people from all walks of life, not just people who have it really easy, who have an easy time recycling and going vegan. We need people that have had to get creative and people who've had to like find other solutions to problems and have them tell their story. And like, and I think if more people realize that they're not alone in what they're feeling again the same thing that what you're doing with this podcast I think we'd inspire more people to want to get involved and that's just kind of what this podcast will hopefully focus on and also what our platform will hopefully focus on is like you want them kind of to work in tandem the podcast will share stories and we'll share ideas same same like exactly what we're doing here talking about our experiences talking about what we feel like what we think about and our platform is going to supplement that as like an educational platform I think that for a lot of people, climate change is not accessible. And I think that makes your anxiety much worse. If you don't even understand what the problem is, and then you don't understand what the solutions are, of course you feel overwhelmed and helpless because you don't even know what to do. And I think that's kind of what we hope our platform does is that not only are we giving people like tangible solutions and we're breaking down really complex ideas and we're helping people kind of better understand the problem, we're also creating a community a community of people who feel the exact same way we do that feel so imperfect with everything they do. And hopefully people like that are not in the movement already will come at this giving different ideas and examples. And maybe what, what will happen is that people find where they fit in, in this problem. And that's kind of, I guess the main goal for the imperfect eco hero is you don't have to do everything. It's a spectrum there's like to be a perfect environmentalist it doesn't mean you have to do x y and z 
you just have to do something. And it doesn't even need to be something that you pay for. It doesn't need to be something that's so hard. Like a lot of times what's so successful, like why so many activists are so successful is they do things within their own community and they do things that like they're good at or they know a lot about like for example this your podcast like you talked about something that you knew very well like that meant a lot to you and you're trying to solve the stigma around mental health by using your knowledge and that's kind of the people that you're talking to is we're just sharing what we know and that's that's how we're helping and the same can happen with the climate crisis if you know how to do something likely you can use that to help this climate crisis and there's a lot of times that people don't realize like there was a teacher once that like was working in Mexico and like her school couldn't afford um, like resources. And so she started this program where they broke down like bottle caps into like the, the caps on like plastic water bottles into toys and like resources and tools that they would then teach with. Like they, they, it was kind of twofold. They got to use like her, she was like a very creative person. She got to use that aspect of herself and transformed and made use of plastic water bottles, which would typically not be used for anything. She used them towards t- like school supplies and like that. And there was a whole program and like, that's ways that you can get creative that helps the planet. And it doesn't, she didn't need to go vegan. She didn't need to go protest on the streets. She did it within her own community, within her own job or her own field. And like, that's honestly what I think people don't realize is you just need to be inspired in what you know, and then just go for it in your own community in any small or big way. Um, yeah, that's kind of what we hope the podcast does for people as it inspires them. If it's and like gets them to do something, even if it's just to think more about what their relationship with the planet is and ask that you know, that question. Like what I'll even ask you right now, like what does the planet mean to you? Like what is your relationship with nature right now like if you had to tell me what you think your relationship with nature is like what do you think it is wow that that's that's a big question <laughs> but and you can think on you can totally think on it but again you don't think about it no one thinks about how they fit in into all of this or what nature means to them and i think it's an important question and mimi came up with that she was like she asked me one day and i was like i don't know i don't even i don't even think about it and like that's a problem and so i was just curious to you someone who lives in India, like what does nature mean to you? I've never asked this to someone who's lived in India. So it'd be an interesting answer. And if it doesn't mean anything, that also is an interesting answer. I, I, I definitely need to think a little about this, but yeah, I mean, I get what you meant, uh, but yeah, this is a big question actually. I, I've never put much thought into it like that. Like what, what does it mean? And you don't have to answer this now. You can totally tell me later. But like, that's an interesting question. And we were just talking about the oceans earlier. And for a lot of people, sometimes uh, nature just means that one thing is the oceans. And for me, that's the same thing. Water is kind of where my relationship with nature started and where I hope it ends with. Like, I hope that's trying to find a way. Like, I got inspired. So the whole reason like I wanted to do stories in particular was that I was inspired by hearing someone else's story, a story of someone who was born in Toronto, like me, who had a passion for underwater photography. I was also a photographer and he ended up accidentally stumbling onto an illegal fishing ring out in the Galapagos on sharks. And he was like, Oh, I don't, I love the water. I love sea creatures. 
okay, let's see where this goes. And he ended up just creating a documentary highlighting that. And it became huge. And he realized, okay, that's where I'm going to help is sharing people's stories. And he truly believed that if more people just understood what was happening, they would do stuff. And so that's kind of what I believe too. And that's kind of what I've grown up knowing is that I really do think if more people heard more stories, they would do something. And so my relationship with nature started there in the oceans. So I sharks are my favorite animal. I love being in the water and I will take any opportunity I can. Like where I feel the most connected to nature is in the water. And that's kind of what my relationship with nature is and has always started is been with the ocean. And I had to think on that. When, my, when Mimi asked me that, I was like, I don't have one. I live in an urban city. I rarely see nature. I don't know. I don't think I have one. And I thought on it for a while. And I was like, I think it's oceans. The oceans are my relationship with nature. And so you don't have to answer this now, but it's just to anyone listening to like, what is your relationship with nature? And it can even just be like, I wish it was more. I wish I was in nature more. I don't know what it is. Get to know it. Like, I think that's the first step a lot of times with climate change, similar to how people handle their mental health, you kind of have to understand the root problem. Like, what are you feeling? What's going on? Hey, with climate change, how do you feel about nature? Where do you see yourself? If you see yourself above it, that's a problem. We're, we're guests on earth. And like, if even if you just work on that, if that's the only takeaway you take from our podcast is you just try to see yourselves as a guest in nature, then we've done our job because that's the thing that a lot of people don't think about. And so, yeah, if you have an answer, totally go for it. No, I, um, I think I'm, I'm going to put a lot of time and like think this through. We are definitely going to have another conversation about this. hundred percent. We'll put it on our podcast. I think it'd be so interesting. Oh, absolutely. It would be, I would love to. And uh, also I'm so, so excited about Imperfect Eco Hero. And I, I think I got to say, you've picked the most perfect name possible. I think uh, the the concept that if you're not doing it 100% right, you're not doing it at all. That has to be that has to be rid of. And like- it does, but that that's so prevalent in the in the in any community, and you get a lot of hate for it. Is that, there's a lot of activists yeah. who say if you're not doing uh, the biggest thing is if you're not vegan, you can't call yourself an environmentalist. Well, I think that kind of negates the whole point. Like not everyone can go vegan it's not possible. Like for me, I physically can, I have an autoimmune disease that I I learned the hard way. I can't digest a lot of vegetables. I just can't, like I can't digest fiber. And so switching to a plant-based diet means a diet solely on fiber. I was feeling awful for months and I got a lot of eco guilt. I felt so much eco anxiety and guilt when I tried to go vegan that I stuck with it, even though I felt terrible because I was like, that's the biggest thing a person can do. I think it reduces your carbon footprint by like over 50%. It's like an insane number. If you give up meat, like it's the biggest thing you can do as an individual. And I heard that first and I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give up meat because that's the biggest thing a person can do like to help the environment. And I couldn't do it. And I felt terrible. I felt awful, not just physically from trying to go vegan, but I felt terrible just because I wasn't successful at it. And no one talks about that. No one talks about how hard it is sometimes to, to, to do these things. Like with mental health, like there's no one way to go about it. Why are we telling people there's only one way to solve climate change like we have to show people that there are so many other alternatives that you can do and I think that's kind of also where that idea came from for both Mimi and I is we also struggled with doing things that we were told there's only six ways that you can 
individually make a difference as an environmentalist. Well, if I can't do all six, then what am I supposed to do? I'm just a terrible person. Like that's just kind of, no one talks about that. And that's kind of what we really did want to talk about and also convey with the name is like, we are all feeling imperfect. Like everything we do, there's no one perfect way of doing it about like anything, but at the same time, the fact that you're doing anything makes you a, a perfect eco hero. Like that's the point. And yeah, sorry, I think I'm now rambling, but that was yeah, kind of the idea behind the name. And we thought about it a long time was how do we convey exactly what we're feeling? And I definitely feel like the imperfect of the two of us. Like, I think I'm bringing that more to this platform in this podcast, if I'm honest. And I'm okay with that. Cause I, I think that's the point. And I think that's what most people feel like is that if I ask anyone right now, are you an eco hero or an environmentalist? Most people would say no. And if you ask them why they're like, well, I don't do enough. Well, what's enough. Why are we, why is that the standard that you have to do a lot to be a, like a good person? Like it's, it's an insane it's an insane standard that I think just leaves too many people on the sidelines. And um, okay, yeah, uh, that's... firstly, uh, please don't apologize. I'm absolutely loving listening to you talk about this and I'm sure <laughs> my listeners will too. And oh, second, I, so. I think the fact that your platform is starting off with the whole concept of being as honest and as real and authentic as you can be and bringing light to like, okay, even if you do so-and-so and if you're not able to go vegan that's just an example if you're not able to do this you're not able to do that there are other things that you can contribute into this movement it's not like a i'm all in or i'm out kind of situation and for the fact that you're starting your entire platform on that principle i think it's gonna that's that's gonna be the reason people are going to connect with it because of that not feeling uh like a lot of the activists are like specialists and uh, like you mentioned there's a lot of like technical terms and a lot of jargon that goes into this whole thing that that sort of like scares people away from like getting involved and like from you bringing it to like the common man's perspective a common person's viewpoint I think that's why people are going to connect so much with imperfect eco hero and I'm so excited what about hoping. what's going to come Thank you. That that gives me hope because Mimi and I often feel imposter syndrome where we're like are we even the right people to be doing this? Cause we're not experts and we come from very privileged backgrounds. So should we even be talking about this? Should I be complaining that it's so hard when there are people who have it much worse? And I, the best, I think my mom said it, she was like, well, that's the point. There are a lot of people like, not everyone's going to relate to you guys. There's going to be people who are like, now what they're saying, I know, or now what I, I can't relate to them, but there's a probably a majority of people that aren't doing anything that are going to relate exactly to what you're feeling. And that's kind of what your goal is. Cause I also felt that idea. Like I, like I wanted to reach everyone. Like if this isn't going to reach everyone, there's no point of doing it. And like that you fall into that trap of having to be the best and needing to be perfect when it's just like if even if I inspire you and you're the only person who's inspired by this and then that's that's something because then you're gonna go tell people and like you're gonna set a chain reaction and that's kind of yeah like I'm doing like what it feels like is I'm doing exactly what you're doing we're trying to destigmatize some field some concept some idea that I think in society we we've told people that like mental health is bad or you can only have mental health if you've gone through things. Cause that's, or like, you can't even possibly understand my mental health. Cause I also deal with X, Y, and Z. And like, because I don't know why there's always such a competition to, to be like, who has it worse or who has it best. Like, I think what we really need to realize is that no two people are the same and everyone's going to learn about things differently. 
everyone's going to go about things differently. And we can't really see these like mental health black as black and white as it currently is. And we can't see climate change as, bl- as black and white as we currently like it. There's so many gray areas to both of these things that I really do think I'm hoping what we're both doing is going to do something good. That is, that is the, that is the plan is hopefully this, this leads to some, some sort of positive change where people, I guess, start realizing that they do have the power to do a lot more than they're aware of. And I really do think we need to stop putting so much pressure on people to be a certain standard but also at the same time, not give people too many leniencies. There's like a fine line, at least with yeah, climate change, is where like, because and I, that's what I'm worried about is oversimplifying the problem. Like I've had to do a lot of reading. I don't, I don't, this, I don't know if this is going to lead into something unrelated. I don't know if in India, this was as big, but when the Black Lives Matter movement hit, a really big word that started circulating a lot was intersectionality. Hmm. And I don't know if that's a concept that became, um, big no, here uh, with you guys quite frankly uh no it wasn't something that was blown up here or kind of like gained a lot of traction but again these are things that uh, i've noticed uh, a lot of like social media pages bring it up and that's kind of the uh, that's what my exposure to it has been it's been through following different kind of pages and trying to like stay updated with different parts of the world and uh, i think uh, well, like it's kind of hard to not know about the Black Lives uh, Movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, because the United States being such a prominent part of like world politics and like world affairs. But at the same time, like the intricacies, it it didn't like really ripple through uh, other parts. Like it didn't gain as much traction. But yeah, interesting. I mean, yeah. But but that concept for me also, even though it was a thing that became really big, the reason I bring this up is. Um, what we try to do is bring intersectionality into what we're talking about. And and ironically, this is also what you're doing with this podcast too. And I, for people who don't really know what intersectionality means, it's kind of this theoretical framework for understanding how people's identities kind of overlap and can cause different sort of oppressions and difficulties for people. Like for example, I, as a woman, will have certain oppressions or certain difficulties in life, but I am, I'm white. And so, but if there was a woman who wasn't white, let's say a black woman who, who also is going through life, she's going to have both the fact that she's a woman and the fact that she's black overlap and create this kind of unique I, um, oppressions and difficulties and the same can be said and it, it extends like if I, I'm Catholic so the fact that I'm Catholic also brings on x y and z and like it extends it to what your like um, sexual identity is your political identity is or, like your cultural Id- like it extends a lot and the reason that's so important is I think with a lot oftentimes with mental health and even climate change is the people who often gave solutions and talked about it came from one specific background because a lot of times the only type of people who could go to school and who could do all these things happen to be very white, very privileged, typically men. And so what we think is so missing in the climate movement, and I also think what's missing in the mental health movement is it's the same few people telling you their experiences. But what people don't realize is that like you and I, even though we think so similar and like we maybe have had similar things, we'll go through life and go through experiences experiences very differently just Hmm. based on the fact that we've come from different places we've got different spiritual backgrounds different everything and so me telling you that there's only one way to solve your mental health there's only one thing you can do to solve climate change doesn't address the fact that 
me and you are not coming at from at the same place. We're going to be suffering or dealing with things differently. And I think that's where, sure. what I'm trying so hard to do with like what we're Mimi and I are both, I keep saying I, cause I'm here, but like Mimi and I are, what we're both trying to do is bring intersectionality into this platform and to this um, podcast series as a way of showing like, even if two people like Mimi and I, we both, we both come from very similar families, different experiences. We both think about things differently too. And even the way we absorb information will be different based on, on what we're doing. Like I remember watching a documentary with my parents called um, kiss the ground. And it's on the importance of soil and, 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 and regenerative, regenerative farming always a mouthful and like the importance of going plant-based and I remember I finished that like documentary with my parents I was like I want to completely change my diet I want to start going to farmers markets I like I want to do stuff like that motivated me and for my parents they were like no that was good like I totally get the problem I don't know if I really want to make any changes to my life like they didn't necessarily get the full point of the documentary or like feel what I felt and I was like how we just saw the same thing I've grown up with your teaching like me life like how are we not having the same reaction to this and it's the same just across the board if I if I don't even have the same reaction to for example climate change like my parents do and we like how am I supposed to have the same reaction to uh, climate change like you are like you didn't even grow up like where I grew up like my own family who technically a lot of my own identities like they don't even think the same way so it's 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 so interesting starting to add intersectionality because while it does make the problem a little bit bigger it also re- shows you that there's so many other avenues that you could be tackling problems with and the same with mental health like it's the, it, it's it's i think more people really do need to add intersectionality to their activism to their own mental health to their own lives like realizing that like y- you and your own sibling might not even think the same like there's no way you and a random stranger are also going to think the same like it's it's kind of trippy if you think about it I don't know. Absolutely. It kind of blew my mind. Yeah, I, I think uh, you bringing stories into your uh, platform, it's going to be, it's going to be huge. Uh, it's it's going to really sort of create that sort of uh, foundation that you want to, talk, especially with intersectionality as well. And like just bringing different perspectives. And like, like you said, there are so many different avenues to actually like sort of delve into. And I think stories is one of the most, like it's, it's basically what even perspectives is about. Um, I, I've uh, I've been brought up in a conservative Hindu family in India, and what my thought process is, and what what I was taught to understand about mental health is definitely not going to be the same as someone who grew up, let's say, in Toronto. Completely different kind of perspectives there. So it it, it and I think because when we share, we kind of like learn and understand more as well. Like oh, okay, so that's the kind of thought process that y'all had grow up with mm-hmm. and that's the environment that you guys got and I think yeah. it like sharing stories I mean one of the biggest reasons why I'm such an advocate for sharing is like not only do we understand and learn more we also validate experiences especially those that are like kind of stuck in situations where they don't have the same kind of resources or the same kind of support system the moment we share if they can resonate with even one percent it sort of validates their own experiences and it sort of helps them acknowledge that okay I'm not I'm not insane I'm not alone and that kind of like, it'll definitely give them that kind of like push to like, okay, there is, there's help out there and there's a way that I can get better. hundred percent. And, but I also love with stories that you also learn that like, there are different ways of saying things. Sometimes it's, 
sometimes when I like talk to people, you know, about climate change, the way I say things, people don't get it. And I'm like, but how do you not get it? Like I got it saying it this way. And you learn oftentimes that the way you communicate to people needs to adapt. Like certain people will get what you're saying, but unless you can relate it back to something that they understand, a lot of people won't. And so that's honestly why I think there is such a stigma with, with mental health is I think we, we say it, we've explained it in a way that I don't think really resonates with a lot of people. At least for me, when I understood mental health is I had to go through a lot of experiences. I like, I had to have had lived a terrible life and had all these like terrible things happen to me to even feel any sort of mental health. Like that's how what I was brought up. I was like, well, if I grew up in a great family, I've had a lot of privilege. I've had a lot of good things. I can't possibly have mental health issues. Like there's no way. And like, but, but that's how I understood it based on how it was talked about. And like, you don't realize, oh, that's, that's not the only way you can be suffering from mental health. Like it has nothing to necessarily to do with how you're brought up or how good things are in your life. Like, mental health is sometimes you're just kind of born with it. Like it's, it's just something that is innate within you unrelated to external factors. And I, the same can be said, even just how we explain climate change too. But yeah, like I was curious if you ever felt that when you were taught, like talking to other people with stories that you're like, oh, I never thought of explaining it in that way. Or I never thought of, I never understood it in that way that maybe someone oh, else. Absolutely. And uh, like, I'm, I'm going to say it again, connecting with people has been one of the best parts of doing perspectives. I've, I've just learned so much. I've met such different and cool people from all around the world. And, and it's pretty amazing, honestly. Like, again, I, I never would have thought that I would have a conversation with you, someone that's sitting literally halfway across the world doing something completely different, but yet there's still that overlap and how we connected over that. It's been amazing. Yeah. Again, you think about when you say it, it's, it may, I, I don't know, it makes the internet feel like this really huge place with so many opportunities. And I really hope people realize that like, while this while social media often has like it has its negatives i think everyone knows it like does, it, it definitely sure. i think it ate, i think it really does make a lot of people feel worse about their mental health just seeing so many people i guess also leading better lives or leading the life you wish you had but i do i try to actively look at social media as not as a oh these people have a better life than me or the life i really want it's like oh i'm looking for people who have what I'm going through, like who are experiencing what I'm going through, like people who have a lot of those similarities. Like, I, I really think you can find a good community using social media that I Absolutely. don't think is often used enough. I think we tend to look at social media, especially like Instagram as, as um like, cause people just share their highlights in life, which is what I love about doing like podcasts like this is our lives are not perfect. They're not the like the the 10 Instagram photos I have of me being happy and doing things like life's a lot more nitty gritty and it's a lot harder. And I think we really need to highlight that. Yeah, I think more again, being as authentic and honest, it, it comes down to that. Like, thing, let's be frank, the idea that life is always ha- uh, sunshine and rainbows, it isn't true. I mean, it's, no. it's, it's, it's up and down and that's kind of just how normal life is. And I think the moment we start accepting that, it's it's a lot better. But again, I agree. Social media can be used as such an amazing tool and to bring such positive change. And it's not always that the case, which is unfortunate. But I, I have hope, like you mentioned, like, uh, those like 
isolated incidents where people can't come together for it. I have hope. I have hope uh, because of imperfect eco hero and what y'all are going to do. And like, I, I do, I really do. I, I'm super excited. Oh, thanks. Well, I'm really excited to do what you're doing. Cause again, this is that they, they go so hand in hand. And I think people don't recognize that. And I think if people just did, I think it, they'd have a lot easier time to go about um, life, but exactly like that. That's what I'm hoping both of our platforms do is kind of give people that hope that like, they're not alone. They're not unusual for the way they think. Like oftentimes what you're feeling is likely what everyone else is feeling. They're just not saying, cause again, you just don't highlight those things on social media. Like, I think I remember watching an influencer of mine, I think cause people were saying, I don't remember what, but she was like, I'm not going to post bad photos of myself or me when I'm crying or me when I'm depressed and sad. Like I'm not going to post those things because that's not what Instagram is. Instagram is supposed to be a place where you feel happy. But at the same time, like I understand that sometimes we need to do that, but like people just don't because they, they associate negative days as them at their worst. When I do think you need to realize that I think a lot of what life is, is you kind of being content. I don't think there's, I don't, unless people people could disagree i don't believe people just wake up happy all the time i know know there are people who have good mindsets but i think what people realize is i think in life you just are content like i think you're just good with where you're at and i think there are days where you're going to not be good at where you're at and there's days where you're going to be really really happy and i think you live for those happy days but i don't think i think it's unrealistic to expect those happy days all the time i think you just gotta at least for me i just hope for not sad days like I just, I look forward to the days, honestly, when I don't feel anything sometimes like that, that, that helps too. Like I, I, I just think we just need to really have a mentality switch just with about everything, the way we think about mental health, the way we think about climate change. Like I, I think that's kind of where everyone should start is just looking within what is your relationship with yourself? What is your relationship with nature? Like, I, I think if people just look inwards first, I think it'll help them look outwards second. And I think, and that, and that was something that like Mimi really, like my co-host really pushed on me that I never thought about before was I didn't realize I had to look within first to then look out. If that makes any sense. That I hope did, it does. It, she did. said it way more eloquently than <laughs> I did. I'm pretty sure I just butchered it and gave you like the dummy 101 version of it. But um, no, yeah, it, it definitely of... made sense. I think, um, I feel like personally, like, especially with 2020 and COVID, um, uh, let's be honest, it was a shit year, obviously, but I feel like... <laughs> An understatement. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it really was a shit year. But I think it did sort of like, I had my own journey from within and it brought me to a place where I could start start Mind Matters. I don't think, like, there were a lot of uh, incidents that happened in 2020 that that eventually led me to be ready to like start mind matters and I think it all comes down like it was a year of introspection at least personally for me without a doubt I would say I would say same I remember reading a quote saying 2020 is not a shit year it was the year we all needed I think it was a I think on a global scale I think it was an eye-opener in into how we were treating other people how we just handled everything but I think it I think it also forced a lot of people to look within exactly that I think that's been at least for me and I've been lucky I've kept my job knock on wood through the pandemic so I I haven't been one of the unfortunate ones who haven't but I like it was hard to just be isolated at home with your thoughts because you don't recognize how much it's so easy to 
not have to think about yourself and those things when you got work and you got friends, you got like school, you got all these things to worry about. But the pandemic, at least for me, like you said, very introspective. And I, and I think I needed it personally for self self growth. And cause again, we only started imperfect eco hero, what in December of 2020. So again, I think 2020 was the year we also needed um, as well, but yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm trying to look at 2020 as the year we all needed. Either Except a wake-up call. The one we'll forget. Yeah, even if we try, <laughs> I don't think we will. But um, yeah, I'm hoping 2020 pushed society to do bigger and better things. Although COVID reminds me sometimes that that's not the case. But I'm really I'm holding on to the people who who are doing some really awesome work, like you, like you guys. Oh, you're kind. Well, it's true. I think but, mental health right now is probably the worst for most people with the, the pandemic. So this is coming at a really great time for sure. I'm, I'm glad I'm trying something. I'm just hoping uh, I, I can make a difference. But honestly, I, I, think have you already abs- are. <laughs> I have absolutely loved this conversation that we've had. Like it has been so good. It doesn't matter that it is almost sunrise time for me but I am so so I'm so sorry (laughs) no no absolutely not I'm usually awake at this time either ways you probably don't have to worry about that no but this was good I I I can truthfully say like I actually feel better like I feel happier almost like this has been a good day like I don't know about you I find talking to people just especially about these things that are so important that we don't often talk about I get I get excited like this like these conversations make me so hopeful um and I think for sure like and I think that's what people can learn too. just have a conversation with people have that be your goal this week just talk to someone about how you're feeling because likely they're feeling the same way and if they're not well find someone else <laughs> there's always gonna be someone with someone there's always gonna be someone feeling what you're feeling yeah for sure so you you have any final thoughts you want to end our interview on or anything you want to leave for our listeners or anything i i will oh my- be uh making sure to connect uh all your links and your social media to all the posts guys please 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 seriously check out imperfect eco hero they are doing amazing work and i'm so so excited about what's coming up Oh, well, I, I really, really appreciate that. Um, I would say the same about my matters, but I'll make sure to share them on, on our platform. I I will say, I will say something, uh, like I truly do believe every one of us kind of has a power to make a huge, huge impact. Um, there was a quote, I believe by Batman that was, um, oh God, I need to say this because it was a really good quote and I don't remember it off the top of my head um sorry i should have had this prepared but i just thought of this now No, not a problem at all i feel like we can edit this in the in the back end where's oh, yeah, yeah, for sure <laughs> yes okay i'm gonna say this super powerful i saw this quote the other day by batman i'm not gonna not gonna preface this oh yeah you have batman okay cool you might even know this quote and i and i read it and i was like oh, that's that's what i want people to take away from this is you don't need superpowers to be a superhero and i really do think that ring true and I and I don't believe people feel that a lot and I think that's where the imperfect comes from is you don't need to be this perfect person who has everything put together and who's happy all the time and who's doing all these things like 
that's not the majority. The majority of us are doing everything wrong and feel terrible all the time. Just, just remember that doing anything, even if it's one small thing makes you a superhero and eat. And that could, one thing could even just be for yourself. You taking the time to, to take care of your own mental health to you taking the time for yourself you're still being a superhero for other people because I do believe when everyone is at a better place within themselves, they're better outwards to other people. Like they just have more capacity to do good things when they themselves feel good. So just remember that like everyone has a really big impact. And I do think together we can really make a lot of positive changes in the world. And I think that's what COVID has taught us is the times when we're not together is when we fail. And the times where people are together over some collective action is when us as a society will succeed. So I'm going to leave it there. Mic drop, not not literal, but <laughs> mic drop. Um, I absolutely I, love the way you just ended this. And it is a bonus point for me that you used a Batman quote. Is, is Batman your favorite? Is Batman yeah, your favorite? Yeah, no. I, I figured that uh, since I don't have to go to court or anything, I'm going to take all the time I can to wear whatever I want superhero related. Nice. And that wasn't even intentional. I didn't even see that. Like, that's how bad my vision is. I didn't even, you were holding your wrist up. I was like, I couldn't tell if you were like, yeah, like, like support. And I looked closer and I was like, oh, that's the Batman symbol. Perfect. This is going to work out great. Um, I didn't even know Batman said it. So this is this is great, and I but yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a good quote. Thank it was you, a good one so, to remember. So much, Jordan, for taking the time to talk to me. And no, I, pre- I honestly thank you for even setting this up. I think that, and even reaching out because again, I would have been too scared to reach out, and I would have missed out on this. Honestly, a really good conversation, and I, I likewise probably I, my I, favorite conversation this year so far. Oh, that that, um, that, that makes had. my heart smile. Thank you. That means a lot. Seriously, thank you. That's good. What you're doing is great. And I can't wait to hear more of your episodes and hear all the things that you're doing to help save the planet too. (laughs) And that was Mind Matters Perspectives. Tune back next week for another episode. Thank you. Love and light to all.